Well, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode. This one's starting out lower energy than some, but that's just because we're saving all the energy for the, the the main course, if you will. Let us you gotta, let's. You gotta take it slow, you know. You gotta ramp up. Yeah, this is the smooth jazz brought to you by Fool's Gold Variety Hour. I'm your host, T Swizzle, and I'm uh, Z Dizzle. And we're here to to do to find some gold, some fool's gold, and uh, uh, and find the best golden oldies in the smooth jazz catalog for you to enjoy. So sit back and take a listen to to what we got. Uh, speaking, of course, of smooth jazz, I, I would like to talk to you just ever so briefly. About Mambo number five. I'm aware of it. So you're aware of the Lubega version, presumably, yes? That's the only one I'm aware of, to be honest. Um, you're aware of, of course, um, the, uh, the wonderful Nathan for you bit involving Lubega's Mambo number five. Um, I, think, I think I am. He's trying to get a bad score on uh, Uber, and he just blares Mambo number five. Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yep. Zach, if you could do me a favor and just Google Mambo number five, go ahead and open the Wikipedia page. Mambo number five. Let me know when it's up. Mambo number five is parentheses, a little bit of hashtag Lubega version. Here I am. So you're just on the Mambo number five Wikipedia page, right? Correct. Correct. I am. And then under that, you see Lubega version, and then you see critical reception. Uh, yes. So I want you to scroll down until you get to um, Bob the Builder version. Okay, I am also vaguely aware of the Bob the Builder version now that we talk about it. Yeah, as soon as you um get you see the Bob the Builder version, mm-hmm. I would I'd love you to read for me the chart performance, the first paragraph of chart performance. Okay, this don't, is don't read it in advance. Do it, do it fresh. Yeah, this is reading in verbatim. I do see, uh, I did see do see one hyperlink here that is going to be something big that <laughs> we're going to hit on. Um. Uh, just just in a little scan of the thing. This is verbatim here, and I'm going to try to try to read it as best I can. On 9 September 2001, which is how the British due dates. Tom, hold on. How the British due dates versus Americans due dates. What do you preference? Do you have a preference? Uh, I mean, it makes more sense logically to do it the British way, but my preference will always be the one I've been raised with for k through 12th grade so it i mean but logically it makes more sense gotcha i think i agree um on nine on the 9th of september 2001 the song debuted at number one on the uk singles chart becoming bob the builder's second number one single on the listing after can we fix it which is of course the theme song to bob the builder uh continuing in doing so bob became the first novelty act to top the uk chart with more than one single Following the September 11th attacks, the song was removed from uh, BBC Radio 2 playlist with the station's music executive producer, Colin Martin. First of all, I don't think there's ever been a more like modern British name than Colin Martin. Um, I agree. Colin Martin describing the song as being too frivolous in light of the news that was breaking. The song earned a gold certification from the British phonographic industry on uh, October 12th, 2001 for shipping over 400,000 units. In the end of 2001, it was ranked as the UK's 17th best-selling single. So yeah, Mambo Number no. 5 by Bob the Builder, trending number one on the charts gone on the old 9-11. Tom, would you, be- would you believe me if I told you that I was, for a very long time, unaware that Bob the Builder was a British product because i grew up and had younger siblings who also grew up on the american dubs of bob the builder so it just i never even considered the fact that it was a british thing i i absolutely would believe that i think most americans wouldn't realize it was by the bbc zach can i while we've opened this can of worms this 9-11 can of worms oh can i read you a list of songs that were banned from radio for the uh, during the month of September 2001 by America and Britain. Sure. So Mambo Number no. 5 by Bob the Builder uh, was one of them. Um, Highway to Hell 
by ACDC was banned. I can I can understand that. Uh, Duck and Run by Three Doors Down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we gotta get out of this place by the animals. Sure. Smooth Criminal. Uh, I feel like you could have let that one slide. Walk like an Egyptian. Uh, I don't know how to I don't know how to approach that one, Tom. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, Bob Dylan's Knocking on Heaven's Door. A great song, however, <laughs> I do understand pulling that. And then Elton John's Rocket Man. Yeah, yep, I can I can understand that one. The uh, Foo Fighters, Hey Man, Nice Shot. <laughs> oh no. So listen, Jerry Lee Lewis, Great Balls of Fire. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I mean, most of these are making sense. No, they are. It's just, wait until I tell you that, and this is true, the entirety of Metallica's discography. Just They were like, hey guys, it's September, don't play Metallica. Yeah, we're just not doing... <laughs> we're just, we will not do Metallica in light of what has happened. Uh, Queen, another one bites the dust, and Killer Queen. I feel like Killer Queen would be fine another one bites the dust is a bit roundabout like i feel like that one too could probably could probably let that one go um and then van van halen's uh dancing in the street as well as van halen's you've got to jump jump makes sense yes van halen's jump makes sense yeah these are all all bit pretty rough tom i'm actually kind of glad you you kind of brought not that you brought up 9-11 but i'm always you... glad when someone brings up 9-11 one of the things that i had had an idea for to talk about on the show mm -hmm. uh for a bit is um how if and how we choose um to address big national slash international events in fictional media yeah specifically um the one that is most prevalent in my mind is uh, COVID-19. Do you think a, like a television show that is purportedly takes place in our real world or a close facsimile of our real world, do you think a show should make reference to COVID-19? Should, uh, should they pretend it doesn't happen for the sake of like the, the plot of the show? Should they just merely reference it and and not bring it up again? Like, is is there? I don't, I don't know if there's like a this is like a best pra best practices sort of situation or just like what is your personal preference? Um, I think I think that it's entirely. I'm not offended or upset when shows do, and I'm not offended or upset when shows don't. Uh, let me clarify what I just said. Sure. When. It's done well, either way. You know what I mean? So I, I don't think you should be forced to acknowledge COVID-19, for example. I don't think you should have to. I don't think you should, should be obligated to if it's going to impede the story that you, as a storyteller, are trying to tell. Um, so, so what brought about this specifically is, as mentioned in last week's episode, I talked about... Um, vice principles and i also after doing my vice principles rewatch did a righteous gemstones rewatch and it is heavily implied if not outright stated that between the first season of righteous gemstones and the second season of righteous gemstones the covid19 pandemic happened in the world of righteous gemstones correct so that's a show specifically that could benefit from saying the pandemic happened because of the satire that show was trying to do sure yeah and and it does because at the at the uh i think at the begin near the beginning of the first episode you see a picture of the characters at like a a maskless protest and and also later on in the season one of the characters is selling supplements that he claims can cure covid mm -hmm. which are things that Often large religious institutions did do during that time as well. Right. So, right. It, so if it's, it makes, if it's it gonna, sense. yeah, if it's gonna enhance the story you're telling, do it. Lean into it. 
go for it. I think BoJack Horseman is a show that if it was still running could benefit from this. You know what I mean? Um, like, there's stories they could tell that would really work. I think shows... I mean, I have not watched any of Grey's Anatomy or This Is Us. I know mm-hmm. both of them did COVID seasons, and I, from what I understand, it was just very... Like, I, those are shows that in my head, I'm like, you could have probably just not. Um, True. I mean, but fine. that's not even mentioning, like, all of the, like, the shows that did, like, Zoom specials. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, uh, Mythic Quest did a, a COVID-19 Zoom special in which all of the the characters canonically worked from home during COVID. Right. So... I don't know. It was just it was just a thought. I don't have a I don't know if I have a hard opinion either way on it. But it was a thought. Now Tom, I do have a list of Wes Anderson movies sorted by months of the year for you. Yeah. Um some of them I don't have really hard reasons for why I placed them there. Uh however, um Others, I, I do. So, um, I'm just going to start from January. Do you have yours, Tom, or are you? I do. I do. Um, yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, this, uh, for January, I have Royal Tenenbaums. That's what I have, too. Royal, I'm Royal really excited. We agree. is a semi-circa New Year's watch tradition for me. Yep. Yep. And it's a... Uh, uh, I think because the Christmas season is past and you're kind of back into the free and sort of day by day of winter while at the same time a fresh new mm-hmm. year, you're kind of, for me, New Year's is always a melancholy hope yeah. situation and Royal Tenenbaums is that in in spades. Also, uh, Ben Stiller says, I had a really r- rough year, dad at the end of that movie and I was always like yeah that's usually how I'm feeling by the time January rolls around mm-hmm. so I'm so glad yeah. that we agree okay. so no I'll go with I'll go first with my February and we'll see if we agree so we'll go every other okay so my February Grand Budapest Hotel correct that's also what I have boom two for two Zach we it's, did it it's it's a wintry movie but it is not a January movie yes um and there's some love in there to tie yeah, into Valentine's. There's, a, there's some romance. Just dabbled in. Uh, March. I, I, I'm i not super sold on this one. Uh, I have I Love Dogs for March. Interesting. Okay. That's, that's, um, not, a, that's not a bad pick. That's not uh, what I, I have. I Love Dogs still seems like a very cold movie to me. Uh, I'm thinking just color palette and like mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that's kind of why I have it in March. Sort of in the sort of prior to spring end of winter so i agree that it's a cold movie but i didn't put it in the early month cold i put it in the later month cold but sure. we'll, we'll get to that so i for march had the darjeeling limited darjeeling um, limited always seemed a little bit warmer for me i have darjeeling limited later in the I ha- yeah so i have it as the the segue of sort of out of the cold into the warm I associate that movie, I think it's probably just because of the cover, but I associate that movie deeply with the color green. And I associate it is a very green, green cover. Green poster. I associate March with green. Um St. Patrick's so, Day. Yes. So that is that's what I had in March. But still, sure. we're we're two for three, which is totally um still quite good. April, completely speculative, Henry Sugar. Okay. Yeah. I mean I I don't know what that movie's gonna look like, so I have absolutely no idea. And April was one of the ones that I really didn't have much by way of hard opinions on. So Henry Sugar is for April right now. We have seen absolutely nothing of this movie, so it is very hard to tell. Yes. Uh, yeah, so for me in April, I had Rushmore. Uh, I have Rushmore in a different month, but for semi-specific reasons. So... I have Rushmore in April because I think I just think that Bill Murray in that movie specifically is manifesting what I can only describe as April energy, and I really can't expand on it any further than that because I have very specific April energy. Okay. Okay. 
so now it's my uh, turn for yeah it's your turn for me okay so may is where i actually put henry sugar so we were close sure sure i have bottle rocket for may it's a very warm movie i think it's the only movie that wes anderson shot in texas like straight out of college uh it's just about three friends getting into mischief is this, into this... criminal mischief. Yeah. May's a great month to do that. I agree. I agree. So, I have bought a rocket in the summer month as well. So yeah. your turn. I, now that I'm seeing the, the title of bottle rocket, I might've put it in a different month for holiday reasons, but um, we'll get there. Uh, I'm th- I think uh, June, I have Darjeeling limited. That's fair. For That's reasons fair. I, I guess I've already explained. June, I have Asteroid City because of how it appears that that movie is almost entirely shot in hot. In the desert, yeah. Desert climate, and that's June. Uh, uh, I have that in July. So. And July is where I have Bottle Rocket. Sure, and Bottle Rocket makes sense, 4th of July. Uh, yeah, I think that works as well. You're there for August, Tom? Yeah, so my movie for August is Moonrise Kingdom. Same. Oh, amazing. Zach, same. I'm surprised we have so many of the same. Same. Moonrise I feel Kingdom, like... I, it's got to be in the summer because it's about like summer camp and, mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. But it also has a very sort of end of summer feel to it. Exactly. My thoughts exactly. Because in that movie, it's like school is starting soon. Yeah. So it's got to be... An August movie. Listen, viewers, listeners, I don't know how many of them, I don't know how many in number you are, but one of you has to be good at math. And I would love it if one of you reached out to Zach or I and just told us the statistical probability of the amount that Zach and I are having is the same. Because we did not talk or share about this before. No. And I feel like the fact that we already have three the same. And there are several that you and I have not said yet. I just feel like statistically this is very, very bizarre. Sure. Um, September is where I have Rushmore because it is very, it is a school movie, and September is usually when I consider school to be starting. So that's fair. Why I have Rushmore there. That's why it's there. That's fair. I have the French Dispatch there okay. because. Okay. Because September is the month where everything is starting and everything is like a bit of a chaotic mess in most people's yeah. lives. September is just when things start up again because summer is ending. Everything is starting up, whether that's school or what, like all of your functions, your sporting event, whatever it is. It's just a chaotic month. And I feel like the French Dispatch has the most sort of like chaos energy yeah. in it. Uh this is where I'm starting to run out of ideas, and that's kind of why I put French Dispatch in October, because I just I didn't know this and Life Aquatic, which we'll get on in just a little bit. I didn't have a good direction for them, so I just put them in specific months. Yeah. So we're sorry, we're September right now or October? October. I just started yes. October. Gotcha. With yours, your October is Life Aquatic. No, my October is French Dispatch. Your October is French Dispatch. Your life aquatic is December? It would have to be December, because we already know that Fantastic Mr. Fox is November, which I assume you already, you also have. So. Yes, Fantastic Mr. Fox is November, and then I have uh, Isle of Dogs in December. What was your October? Okay. Life Aquatic. Sure. Because Life Aquatic is still, it feels like a fall movie to me, but it has to be early-ish fall, because there's still a lot of water scenario and then same same as you i love dogs feels like a cold movie which i put in december i also feel like if there is a wes anderson christmas movie it's mm-hmm. i love dogs i feel like if there's a christmas movie again listen wonderful story of henry sugar might be like nope this is clearly a christmas movie who knows yeah. we haven't I seen mean, it, is, it is coming out around christmas probably right so, so still that's what we had four the same uh i believe so i believe we had royal tenor and bombs grand budapest um 
Moonrise Kingdom and Fantastic Mr. Fox in similar places. So yes, I believe that is four. There you go, folks. You can watch one Wes Anderson movie a month. You can do that. You can do that. That's manageable. And now you have you have two different ways to do it. Like, what's your preferred way to watch the Star Wars? My preferred order. If let me let me rephrase. Not your preferred order for a rewatch. What is the order that you would watch them with your children or a significant other or someone who had not seen them for the first time? And someone Hmm. who will say for the sake of this, like a child or a person has no cultural Yeah. Like they're not gonna they don't know like no Luke on your father. That's not a thing they really know. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I have never tried this, so I can't speak to its efficacy. But I re- believe I read somewhere that um, someone someone had pitched the theory that um, you should do New Hope and Empire first, then do the prequels, and then do Return of the Jedi. The hacksaw method. Yeah, that's what it's called, hacksaw. I would keep thinking machete, but machete didn't sound right in my head. It might be no. called the machete method. Either way, I know it. Yes, I, I, yeah, that that always seemed like it should work, but I've never done it myself, so I can't speak to it. I think you should slash. So can sorry, go... real quick, real quick, with the machete or hacksaw method, where do you put Rogue One and Solo? It's a good question. Would you do four, five, one, two, three, Rogue One, Solo, six? Um, or solo rogue one i don't actually know continuity wise now that we're saying it now that we're saying it i i don't think there's anything wrong with going linearly like starting with phantom menace and just going just chronologically in the timeline the only the the only thing that i can see as a downside is is that people the the person who you're showing it to gets burned out on star wars very quickly through the sequels and then doesn't have a lot of interest in moving forward after that and you have to continuously remind them that no, it's going to get good. Give it a couple movies, it's going to get good. And like that is, mm-hmm. that is not preferable. So I'm I'm a purist, sure. and I'm very much a. I would do four, five, six. And here's the thing that I've made at time of recording. I guess unless Zach has not updated me. Um, mm-hmm. At the time of recording, I am single and Zach is single. We're two single guys. In 10 Indeed, years, yeah. when we're in season 50 of this podcast, um, we'll look back and laugh. Um, but I admire, I admire your hopefulness about this, Tom. Oh, the continuation of this podcast, I agree. Uh, yeah. In the, yeah, yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is I think... I think if I had a significant other who had never seen Star Wars, had no frame of them, I would want them to watch four, five, and six. And then I would say, if you want to keep going, we can. Mm-hmm. But you have seen all that is required of you yeah. to to be a part of my life in a very significant way and understand sort of my references. And I understand, again, yeah. I'm not saying it's a deal breaker. I'm not saying that I wouldn't. I'm just saying... If someone really wants to know me, there are certain artifacts yeah, these, of my these, life. These are indicative of my taste, you know. Like right. This, the, these are important to me. I believe they have formed some element of my personality. And continue to form. Like, I spend a lot of time watching Star Wars TV shows and watching, like, if if somebody is very invested in who I am as a person, there are just certain artifacts like I would probably have them read two or three comic books. Sure. In return, again, if I wanted to fully know that person and they're like, I'm obsessed with Twilight, movies that I personally have never seen, I'm happy mm-hmm. to be like, let's watch through Twilight. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, four, five, six is what I would start with. And then they would have an off ramp. And if they're like, no, I'm actually really enjoying these. Let's keep going. I think after four, five, six, I would watch Rogue One. And then okay. I would do the prequels. You wouldn't do prequels then Rogue One? I don't think so. I think I would do four, five, six, Rogue One, and then prequels. And then after prequels, sequels? Or... Here's, here's, so yes. Yeah. Uh, sequels and solo. 
Um, here's sure. he, here's why, and I would not in any universe, unless they were, became obsessed with it and fell in love with it, expect them to watch any of the TV shows. Not even Andor. You wouldn't just like flip on Andor and be like, hey, this is really cool. You don't even have to care about Star Wars. If she, I mean, if if my partner was like. I really love Rogue One. I want to watch. If they were into Star Wars, I would happily watch TV shows with them. But like, I just wouldn't. And it, the reason I would do the original trilogy and then Rogue One is it provides two. It's like, watch these three. Here's an off ramp. Want to keep going? Yes. Okay. Here's a movie. Do you want mm-hmm. to keep going? Okay. It's a trilogy now. So that's why. Hmm. I guess I guess that works. I and I I don't think that that would be. That's a good sort of like gateway drug sort of situation. I feel mm-hmm. that, and it it isn't the sunk cost of. There, I I feel like you won't meet like the the limit for the well. I've gone this far. Might as well keep going with them. If you start with the prequels, you won't meet that sort of assumption. Mm-hmm. So, I I, yeah. I feel like it is completely safe to start with the Ridge Tridge. Yes. Like I mean, that's how the world started watching Star Wars, right? So I, I, don't, think... I don't feel, and most I mean, I feel like most of us have been able to get it. Like our opinions vary, but we like understand it. And I grew up with the VHS theatrical ones and i still have the theatrical releases on dvd and that would be my preferred i don't want to watch the remastered ones with all the bonus cgi stuff i don't dislike the i mean i dislike it but it isn't deal breaking for me um i don't like when han calls bad cgi job of the hut a, a wonderful human being because Jabba is not a human being um so because they originally shot that deleted scene with just some guy as Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt was just a dude. Right. So um I don't know. Um I do the only problem with my preferred watching method is that my partner would never see if if they wanted to off ramp at at any point they would never see The Last Jedi, which is my second favorite one. But I would be entirely fine I'd be entirely fine with them just seeing the original trilogy. Sure. They would they would understand everything they need to. Um For the most part, yeah. I think any 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 small minutia after that, considering Star Wars, is is just like a quick like, oh, it's a Star Wars reference from one of the ones you haven't seen. And right. you you just say that and then it's done. So Zach, are there certain I would love I would love to explore this category and territory more with you are there certain artifacts that you are like this would be really important for so like star wars trilogy for me also like if they would watch like the dark knight i would have to say um i don't think they need to watch lord of the rings to get me starting out i think it would be a very cool thing for them to be at least open to watching them but like if that's but that can be like any time in the relationship. Like I, I don't feel like that is like a good gateway to understanding things. Um, I think movies that have a high emotional value to me, I think are important. Um, so I think, uh, I think Inside Lewin Davis. I think It's a Wonderful Life. I think uh, there are definitely a few more on this list uh, that that like have like the oh this is this like reaches something or like hits an emotional sort of note with me that either i can relate to or i find like affecting in a very specific way like it's for like inside lewin davis like it's it's about like the the tragedy of like loving something so much or wanting to be part of something so much and then having fate or um or or even yourself actively work against you having that thing. I think that is a very tragic sort of uh, situation that I still think a lot of us can relate to on some level. And like I think that 
is part of it. Um, and I think It's Wonderful Life is just like the sacrifices you make can and do eventually come back for good, mm-hmm. which I also think is very important in, I think, my worldview. And then and then just like other stuff, like to understand, like, I love a good. um I like I like a good like sci-fi movie, so I would show them like Jurassic Park or like um Aliens or something like that. Something that is a lot of fun and high concept. And also I like uh I, I probably I think it boils down to these are the movie genres I like and these are the ones I consider to be the best of them. Sure. So I is- think I think like Sam Raimi Spider Man two might have a little bit more like Yeah. As opposed to The Dark Knight, for me, I think Spider-Man 2 is what The Dark Knight is in that situation. Yeah. Because for me, too, I have a... Again, because the thing is, if they are not interested in these things, like, if they watch A New Hope and are like, I was okay, I'd be like, okay, can we... Like, can you give me four more hours in this headspace? And then you never have to think about it again. I don't want to just be like, I'm going to need you to watch a bazillion things. But I also, I'm like, there are two or three episodes of Doctor Who, if they've never seen Doctor Who, that I just am like, I just would love it if you just experienced a couple, just so you understand vaguely that facet of who I am. Yeah. And Adam West, Batman. I that's that is 20 minutes of your time and I'm just like I just need like a couple just touch points so you understand where this all started the with those ones specifically like I think those shows work better for something like that than like shows that I would pick like I can't expect someone to sit through three seasons of the leftovers to understand right like what I'm what I'm feeling or whatever. Like it, I, oh, I think yeah. you picked a good thing to have like episodic sort of situations. And, and you know how much I am obsessed with the leftovers, but similarly. Yeah. So if they're like, if I assume I know them well enough and I'm like, listen, I'm obsessed with this show. Better call Saul mm-hmm. or, or succession or succession or, or just right. like, yeah, like breaking bad. I'm not going to make you sit through all of it, but I am going to need you to give me basically an hour a week to go downstairs and watch this by myself because I'm obsessed with it. And then I just need like two or three minutes to explain some things to you. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of succession, Tom, have you, I don't know. We, I don't know. We've never talked about it. Have you, do you watch succession? Did you watch yeah. the most recent episode? I sure did. Holy crap, dude. I can't that spoil is... it on the show because I right. well, we can, but no, 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 we cannot. We cannot spoil it on the show. But I will say, however you say it, I'm going to say it wrong. But Ozymandias. That's one damned. way I've heard it said. Yes, I've also heard it said Ozymandias. Uh-huh. Ozymandias, Ozymandias, be damned. That was this most recent episode. That time of recording. That was the single greatest episode. Single greatest single episode of television I have ever seen. It was so amazing to sit during it and then slowly realize what they were doing and then realize like, oh, I am witnessing something that people are going to be like crazy about for like the next, at least like the next year, if not more. Right. And this is why it's important to not always binge things and be like, I'll just wait for it to be over and then I'll binge the whole thing. Because this is like, again, I was too young or too sheltered to be watching Breaking Bad as it was coming out. I watched Better Call Saul as it was coming out almost in its entirety. But Breaking Bad, I was too young. So I wasn't there. I binged Breaking Bad and I was like, whoa, that was a crazy good episode. But, like, just the cultural, like, just when you're watching things as it comes out, it is, that is a mind-blowing episode. And the fact that I can't just start the next one right now. No. Is actually, it enhances my experience and delight of what I saw. Because I get to actually sit in it. 
and sit with it instead of yeah. just going to the next one. And that was that's kind of the the situation I was with in Severance because all of the episodes of Severance had come out mm-hmm. when I started watching that show, but I took it maybe like one or two per night. And by the time I made it to the end, I didn't have that sort of cultural sort of shared experience. But because I spaced them out, the the cliffhanger at the end of the first season of Severance made me so angry that this the second season of the show wasn't readily available for me to just click into the next episode. Mm-hmm. And and it still won't be for at least like another six to eight months. Right. Like it was probably a full calendar year ago when I finished the first season of Severance. Right. And I'm still angry that I haven't seen more of it yet. Right. And and when you binge, so this is it's like uh it's it's a very different thing, um, but it's like how because I watched Sherlock as it was coming out as well, mm-hmm. and there was huge gaps between the seasons, like famously long gaps. Yeah, and way less of of cliffhangers really. Um, there's one specific there one that is one quite that is quite something, but. Again, very well-made show, very good. And, like, now the fact that you can just, like, yeah, binge it, I feel like you lose some of the delight. So when you are watching, again, I understand this was making me sound like a pretentious jackass. Yeah. But but when you are watching quality television, anyone listening, this goes out to anyone who will listen, when you are watching quality television, please, let it sit with you. Let it like, yeah. Give yourself the gift of watching one a week. If you've never seen Breaking Bad, watch one a week, and then take like a couple weeks off between seasons just to recreate, so you can sit with and analyze and think and catch all the little nuances and Easter eggs and like try and come up with your own theories and stay off the internet and Google about those things. Right now, that shouldn't be an issue if you've never seen Breaking Bad because nobody's really talking about it. But like, I've had, I, I like, I muted until I've seen the most recent episodes of like Succession. I mute it on Twitter and then I unmute it so I can see what everybody's saying and like talking. You, yeah. Point being, yeah. just give yourself a gift. Every yeah. once in a while, give yourself, just love yourself. Give yourself a gift. Yeah. Allow allow yourself the privilege of appointment viewing. Mm-hmm. Of of having a, a set date and time with which you like set aside things to experience either like a movie or a show or whatever that. Because I I think that is yeah, it is advantageous, I think, to the enjoyment of the show. And also it is like you're you're experiencing it in a way that many, many people also um also are so yeah and, and with hbo max and to a certain extent disney plus and specific shows on hulu that is a bit easier to do than like a netflix thing in which all the episodes drop at once so right, right. Um, well and some shows are Potentially meant to be binged. Mm-hmm. But there are other shows that aren't... Well, that that you... I promise you, you get more enjoyment long-term. Not because it's spread out over more time. You just get more enjoyment long-term. And I cannot express this enough. I am so happy that I am alive at the time where I have to wait for the next episode of Succession. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm so happy that I had the same thing with Better Call Saul. There was I had a, I had a really good friend who I was watching who I watched Better Call Saul with, and it was like we would talk about last week's episode all week until the new one. It's just like it's a it's a better, it's just a real good, real good time. Everybody. Mm-hmm. That was not how I did Better Call Saul, but that's okay. I learned my that's, lesson. That's not how I did Breaking Bad, and part of me wishes that I did do a kind of appointment viewing with Breaking Bad. But I I hit Breaking Bad for the first time right at the start of COVID, mm-hmm. um, so like March 2020, and I just it was the only thing I had, and I just whipped through it. 
it's gonna get even better for us, Tom, with our Sunday night shows, because Barry starts on Sunday, I know. or the day on which this episode drops. So we're gonna have two two back to back, and so it's an emba- an, an embarrassment of riches. I am rewatching the th- third season of Barry this week in preparation. There is a very funny bit in that show in the third season where um uh, uh an fbi agent comes to the police station and he's like he's like hi i'm an fbi agent i'm gonna t- help you take over this case and one of the police officers is just like well you can call me off well i'm sergeant kraus but people around here call me big cat it's <laughs> just never addressed again <laughs> Um, but you can call me Big Cat. Amazing. So, other things that some people really care about is the Marvel movies. Indeed, true. I These are not. Say, I watched that Marvels teaser that came out. Today. Oh yeah, it looked a little. It looked semi enjoyable. Listen, I know that a lot of people hate Brie Larson. I'm not one of them. I don't understand why people do, and if you are going to tell me right now that she actually is, like, super problematic, I, like, I, the thing, I don't know enough about her or why people hate her. I have no ill will towards her, and I agree the trailer looked great. I think there are two camps uh, of Brie Larson distaste, neither of which I belong to, necessarily. Uh, the first is, around the time the first Captain Marvel movie came out, a interview that Brie Larson gave uh, in which she talked about how uh, she, she, she gave the opinion, and this is as best I can remember it, so I might be misquoting her. Um, the, the film critic world needs to be diversified because movies like, and I believe the movie she cited was Ava DuVernay's Wrinkle in Time adaptation. Movies like that get bad reviews because they're mostly reviewed by white men, and that movie wasn't necessarily made for white men or made to be enjoyed by white men. And thus the anti-SJW circle of the internet went after Brie Larson calling her racist against white people and like a feminine, like a feminazi or whatever. And like really came in hard against her about that. And then the the other camp of Brie Larson distaste are people who are like, oh, Brie Larson like won an Oscar for Room. And like she was in both like comic booky movies like Scott Pilgrim, but she was also in like big important movies like Room and Short Term 12. And now she's only in comic booky movies. Why did her career get like cordoned off to genre film when she doesn't do any cool work outside of that? And that those that I believe is the the two main camps of Brie Larson distaste, and then the other thing is just like her social media presence is kind of weird, and uh, yeah. as as we talked about on the show, yeah, and it is it is weird. I I agree, it's weird. Um, I also just think though that like, listen, this might come back to bite me because I know people have very extreme opinions. I also don't hate Chris Pratt. And I know a lot of people are like, he's, listen, I understand. He has posted some pretty strange, problematic things on his Instagram. I, I know. I think I also don't know the guy. Yeah. I I think there are a lot of people who are reading into Chris Pratt and his personal life and drawing some conclusions out of it. Right. I don't know the guy. I don't know enough about his past marriage and current marriage to know why he did what he did or like, I just don't know enough information. What I do know is that he can't be as far right as people think he is given to whom he's married and who that individual's father is. Well, because I know that guy's politics. <laughs> and well, I mean, Arnold's fairly centrist kind of yeah. at that point. He, yeah. he, he he I mean with the Overton window shifting as it does he was fairly like conventional republican for a good bit and now that conventional conventional republicanism is kind of what the new centrism is. Right. And I'm just saying 
I just, I feel like if James Gunn and so many other people who I do know their politics and what they're about, like Amy Poehler, like basically there are enough people who I know what they're about that if Chris Pratt in person and in real life was espousing actual like pretty fascist stuff, no, they yeah. would not be speaking as highly of him as they do. I mean, I, I feel like you don't necessarily get to pick who you work with. Sure. James Gunn kind of does, but and Amy Poehler might to some extent on something like Parks and Rec, but also uh, Chris Pratt was the fat, funny comedy guy during Parks and Rec. Like the, I think the, the sort of uh, yeehaw America sort of thing, which is not necessarily a conservative sort of thing that or like or whatever you want to call it like that that came out a little bit i think post chris pratt's divorce mm-hmm. or circa chris pratt's divorce and so like i don't know i don't know i don't know I, and i i don't want to make assumptions about the guy so right what i will say this all stemmed from marvel movies people care about them brie larson's in them chris pratt's in them they are not things that i would require a significant other to watch any of because no. i personally am not that invested in them i am However, I will say in the same breath, doing a rewatch of them, um, just when I have some spare time. Sure. And Zach, are you ready for some quick takeaways? Sure. How far are you in? It, it seemed like you had at least been up to the first Thor. I have seen. I, heard I have it. seen Captain America: The First Avenger. I'm through right. Captain America: you, The First Avenger. You are four movies in. Five movies in. Five movies in. Okay. Almost done with Phase One. Sure. Um, here's what I want to tell you. First of all, I entirely forgot that the entirety of Phase 1 was made by Paramount. So, immediately, different vibe. Um, And I know people think that Iron Man was the mold uh, that made it all quippy and, like, whatever. No. Guys, Iron Man, that first Iron Man movie is is not like really any other it's it's almost it borders on unrecognizable from current marvel movies and like what you expect from them it is legitimately gritty at times like there is a lot of warfare violence that is bloody and pretty intense it's also like it's a really good movie it's not like a good Marvel movie. It's a, it's just a great movie. It is a pr- pretty solid movie. I think the narrative that comes about with that one is that the script was in various states of flux during the production of that movie. And so a lot of at least Tony Stark's lines are improvised by Robert Downey Jr. And um, that is why. And people are just like, oh, if he... If he did that for the first one, then he must be. Everyone must be doing that for all the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. I mean, I know at least in the Taika Waititi movies that kind of is true. So, um, so anyways, that's a great movie. Iron Man I like two. That one. That one's one of my one of. The, I think that's in the top five Marvel movies for me. Iron Man two. So Iron Man went up in my rewatch uh, in terms of its rating. And it was already very high, if not... Anyways. Iron Man 2 also went up better than I remembered. Has some issues. But better than I remembered. The early ones, for obvious reasons, like the technology wasn't there, are way less dependent on green screen. And just like, they actually look better. <laughs> like, sure. all of all of these early movies just look way better. That um, movie has Sam Rockwell, plus... Khan does have Elon Musk as well. That is true. That is true. Listen, The Incredible Hulk, not good. It's not a good movie. It's it's a wash. It's fine. It's not good. Allegedly, Ed, Ed Norton kind of micromanaged the, the hell out of that movie and then yeah. probably decided not to do another Hulk movie after that. Yeah. Here's Here's where it gets interesting. That first Thor movie, I remember it being okay. I remember yeah. it, like, I didn't, re- I, in my head, I was like, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be great, but it's going to be fine. It'll be, it's going to be okay. It's fine. That is a terrible movie, Zach. 
That is I... a bad movie. From from start to finish, none of it makes sense. None of it's good. Character okay. choices are ill-conceived and poorly explained. The whole central point is Odin being like, you're not worthy. You're too hot-headed and a stupid little man. Banish yeah. you to Earth. Whoever's worthy, if he possesses the... he like He can have the power of Thor, whips hammer down. Guys, one long weekend later, like literally 48 like, hours. Yeah, three later. or four days. Yeah. It, Happening he's... allegedly concurrently with Iron Man 2 and the Hulk as well. At, right. Around the same time. But he, like, within 48 hours, a being who we've established is hundreds of years old and is very set in his ways and his key character development for the movie is that he's stubborn. Yeah. Hundreds of years of life. Three days. I'm going to turn that right around. I'm a new person. I'm all in. It's just a midlife crisis, dude. And it just... It's I will just say... A bad I will film. say... Thor quote unquote finds major, mature, uh, mature excuse me maturity um thor finds maturity in the span of that movie retains it mostly through the avengers and thor 2 and then promptly loses it again after avengers 2 yes he he become he maybe becomes less destructive but he becomes actively less an adult human being in every movie post Ragnarok that he's in. Yeah. So that is, that's just a bad movie. It went down dramatically in its ratings. I have, um, I'm, I'm generally neutral to positive on Kenneth Branagh's directorial output. Yeah. And I think the production design in the first Thor is actually pretty cool. I do think, um, Every single stationary camera shot in that Thor first Thor movie is at like a downward Dutch angle. So the yeah. camera is below like the eye line of the actor and tilted. facing up with them. Yeah. Facing up with them and tilted. It is so, so weird. Yeah. Why? Like, I don't know. I, I don't have a good reason for it. It doesn't. It's just, anyways, that's a, it's just a bad movie. Now, to the surprise of anyone who knows me, you know, it's actually not a bad, not a bad film. Captain America: The First Avenger. I've been reading Captain America. Captain America: The First Avenger. I, with a passion, hate Captain America because I think he is self-righteous, pretentious, and I need it to be known. Tony Stark is arrogant and cocky, but that is a very different thing than being self-righteous. And pretentious and like mm. pompous. Sure. I so, can deal. So, I can deal with arrogance. I can deal with cockiness and being full of yourself. Self righteousness is a whole other thing, and Captain America remains terrible. However, in this movie, they go in and explain that, and they're like, "Yeah, it, he's he's that's a bad thing." In every other movie he's in, he's lauded as like this moral compass who's always right and like nobody can challenge him and it's always gonna like he's just But in this movie they're like, no, the serum, anything that's good, it makes great. Anything that's bad, it makes worse. Sure. So they're like, so you're gonna become more stubborn. You're gonna become more like it enhances everything so i'm yeah. like oh there's an in-universe explanation for this that they're mm -hmm. trying to be like this is why he's kind of a prick yeah but, like... but it's also but it's also that this this serum um has moral agency this mm -hmm. this juice that we're putting in you knows the difference between right and wrong and will reward or punish you thusly mm-hmm 
which which also serves not only does it does it semi amplify the few bad qualities that Captain America has into stuff that becomes a problem down the road, not necessarily in this movie, but in in sequels. But it also straight up just tells or like hints to the audience, says, yes, this man is the paragon of virtue. Like everything this movie, everything this character does is good because he is good. He is preternaturally uh, predisposed to be a good person. And thus you cannot argue morally with anything he does. Right. Which, which is the implications of that are worse than what is shown in the movie. In my opinion, I personally really like the first Captain America. It has a very almost Spielberg quality to it. Yeah. Um, That's a good way of putting it. It went up. It went up in my rankings. Um, and I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. I specifically cannot say enough good things about Tommy Lee Jones in that movie. Tommy Lee Jones is so good in this movie. He is so funny. I love when he slightly, when when for a second you assume that he decided to just grenade all of his troops. Which, yes. is, of course, he didn't because it's completely fake. But you just you realize for a second, oh, this dude just threw a grenade at a bunch of guys on his own side. And it's just a dummy to, like, test bravery or whatever. But just everything he says to Captain America and Agent Carter is hysterical. He is just like, if you have an opinion, now would be a good time to keep it to yourself. And he just the everything he says is a delight. And I love Tommy Lee Jones in this movie. And it's actually, that movie is actually pretty fun for Spielbergian reasons. Yeah. It is, it is, it does specifically a semi sort of Raiders of the Lost Ark mm-hmm. sort of pulpy sort of adventure thing. Now, Zach. Yeah. I would love for you to guess or say if you remember what the end credit scene for Captain America the First Avenger is. I believe it is. Um, I believe there are two. I believe there's the one where uh, Captain America, he, he he has been found by the Arctic explorers. They have found his frozen corpse. And that's how yeah, the movie starts. That's body. the opening scene. No, I know, but I'm giving context. Uh, so oh, okay. the end credit scene is him waking up in what appears to be like a 1940s hospital room. And there is a uh, like a, a a baseball. I think it's a baseball game on the radio, and then a woman who is like a nurse or like an orderly or like some sort of maybe a government agent walks into the room in like nineteen forties attire, and like addresses him and she's like, "Hey, Captain Rogers, you're awake. Wow, that was quite a crash." Like there, and then uh, Captain America immediately clocks it. The game on the radio is one that was pre-recorded and was from the 1940s one that he himself had attended a baseball game that he had been to i don't he immediately somehow knows that he immediately can clock it he must have been a very big yankees fan or whatever or dodgers Um, you know what so so that's the that is the last scene of the movie movie yeah but that's not an end credit scene. That's the last scene of the actual. No, but then movie. then he busts out of the room and it's like a, in like a shield like black site in the middle of New York, and then he busts mm-hmm. out of that building, mm-hmm. and he's just standing in the middle of Times Square in like 2012 era Times Square, mm-hmm. just and the camera's panning around him, and in the background you can see a billboard for um, Daniel Radcliffe in how to how to succeed in business without really trying, and then um, a bunch of uh, Shield agents show up, and then Nick Fury shows up, and he addresses him, and he tells him that he's been asleep for seventy years. Correct. This is not an end credit scene. This is the final scene. Okay, so the end credit the scene is, um, the the other one is he's in like a gym and he's hitting a punching bag, and uh, Captain America is just like, I mean, Nick Fury shows up and he's just like, you know, you we you could still be of some use, and then hands him a folder that I believe says. Avengers initiative on it and then a trailer for the Avengers place. So yes, sort of, yes. So the first you are correct that there are two. So there's like the there's like the oh the whatever credits where it's like crediting the main people with a bunch of like yeah war posters happening. And then it's him in the gym punching it. And then 
Nick Fury, it cuts to him, Nick Fury being like, hey, uh, you doing all right? And then he's like, you got a mission for me, sir? And he's like, I do. And Captain America's like, trying to get me back in the world. And then Nick Fury's like, I'm trying to save it. Yeah. And then Captain America's like, ooh. Which I think that exact scene is in the Avengers. Yeah, some variation of it is in the Avengers. Um, and that's, then, yeah. And then it's the rest of the credits. And then it just says, Captain America will return in the Avengers. And then that pans off the screen. And then the most 2012 trailer you've ever seen just starts assaulting your eyes. It's got like just weird like like, 2012 grunge rock playing. You can barely hear the dialogue. And like like the you see maybe like two seconds of footage between black fade outs. Right. And like just the quality of like picture that you were just watching in the film compared to like, it's just like, look, it's like a blurry YouTube trailer that's playing. And I, I checked and made sure that it wasn't like my Disney plus my internet was like making it blurry. No, no, no. If you just go watch the trailer for the Avengers and it's not like in HD or whatever, it's just not well done. Um, and it just is, it was so funny. Um, and while, while it was going, uh, my, my roommate was in the next room and I was just like, oh, so I guess the end credit scene for this movie is just a trailer for the next one. And he's like, well, yeah, that's like every end credit scene yeah kind of yeah in a in a in a a way yeah right and i I was like no 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 this is just a trailer though and then he like peeked his head around the corner and he was like oh (laughs) it was just it was super weird um but i think it got me thinking correct me if i'm wrong the uh the end credit scene of spider-man no way home was just the actual trailer for doctor strange 2 yeah, I think so. So sometimes they just be doing that. They're just like, here's the trailer for the next film. Well, and also the um, the trailer at the end of Doctor Strange 1, I mean, the end credit scene of Doctor Strange 1 was just a full-on scene from Thor Ragnarok. Like, it wasn't even like a, a like a like an interstitial between the movies. No, it was a scene that they pulled out of Thor Ragnarok and put in um at the end of the first doctor strange interesting so and inexplicably uh doctor strange has gloves in that scene and i think for his full thor ragnarok appearance and he never wears gloves again in in any of the other movies interesting he never wore wore gloves in the first doctor strange he only wears gloves in uh, thor ragnarok well that's all i had to say about my marvel rewatch nice. by the next time we record i will Likely have seen the first Avengers movie and potentially Iron Man 3. Nice. I'm most worried about Iron Man 3 because I always have it ranked really high because I have really positive memories of it and I'm worried that it's going to sink. I think you'll find stuff to enjoy about Iron Man 3. I'm not. I am dreading. Truly dreading. Avengers 2. No, Thor 2 and then Captain America 2. I hate Captain America 2. It's just going to be... We're, phase 2 is going to be rough, man. I can already tell. But we're going we're gonna to get through it. Alright. Do you have a bomb? I do. Let me see if I can find it. Alrighty. So, yes. What do you know about Ching Shi? Excuse me? What do you know about Ching Shi? That is C H I N G space S H I H. Nothing. Um. So that is the name of the most successful pirate in human history. If you read the Wikipedia is... article, Hold it on. is truly astounding. This is the. No, I okay, yes, I I have heard of her. Yes. Yes. The short version is that she was so successful that her forces beat Blackbeard's. 
to the point where she once entered armed conflict with the Chinese dynasty at the time and won. Like, this, if you ever want to talk about somebody who had, like, a pirate nation, mm-hmm. like, not just a pirate ship, they had a fleet. They were like, hey, a pirate nation that is run and governed by me. It would be this. Um, she, again, beat the Chinese dynasty, got the emperor to negotiate, and got herself a full pardon. Um, she then married a nobleman and died a free woman. So I just, this is one of the most truly insane. If you know me, you know, I do have, I have a fascination with pirates and she is easily the best pirate of all time. And I just would love a movie about her or a Netflix short series. I mean, there have been, I I think there is, there is potential here. I, I was not aware that she appeared in a a character similar to her, if not an outright adaptation of her, appeared in a recent Doctor Who episode. That is true. As does a, a character inspired by her appears in Pirates of the Caribbean 3. Uh, though not a major character, one that sort of just shows up in a couple scenes. Um, right, but this this in, this is a real historical person. No, no this, this is similar. Similar to Pirates of the Caribbean would have actually had like a pirate council and a pirate. Like this is a actual thing that existed in our timeline. I think this is actually interesting. I think I think there is something here for sure. This bomb's not a bomb, Tom. So you could just have TV shows. I'd like it could go for as many seasons as you want. That is just her. You could basically do the Crown. Just do like six seasons of just like loosely based on what we know about her and just be like she was incredible hmm. i'm i'm for it i'm up for it let's do, yeah yeah let's 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 go what was the thing that meryl streep says in the in the post that i think i should use for this <laughs> i do not know in in Steven Spielberg's The Post, uh, Meryl Streep is a newspaper publisher, and she um, is given a choice whether or not to publish a story that the American people need to know, but could put her paper into both legal, like personal and legal trouble. And uh, there's a scene in which she's she on... says she says, "Let's go, let's go, let's just publish." She, no, it's it's a little bit more than that. It's let's go, let's do it, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's publish. And that's 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 how I'm feeling about this Shang-Chi, Sh- Ching-Chi, not Shang-Chi, excuse me, Ching-Chi movie. Um, I'm up for that. Well, great. That's what let's I have go, here. Let's go, let's do it, let's go, let's go, let's, let's go, let's publish. Delightful. All right, well, that's another episode in the books, Tom. Huzzah! Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you've got your own early Marvel opinions or TV show opinions or other things, uh, you can tell us or you can keep them to yourself or do whatever you want with them, really. I'm just glad you have them, to be honest. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time.